Hello and welcome to the Pilgrims Podcast, the podcast where we pilgrimage our way through John Bunyan's allegorical classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. Well, glad you could join us for another episode of The Pilgrim's Podcast. My name's Jordan and joined, as is our custom, by Harry. Hello there. <laughs> I thought you were somewhere there now. And and Stephen. Hello. I was just thinking during the week there that, Harry, I didn't know who you were until we started this pilgrimage together. That's right. I suppose that's sort of true. I think we met a couple of times. Harry, do you remember the first time you met Stephen? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I remember the first week. I don't know if I remember the first time I actually met him. I must have left quite an impression then. <laughs> I think I remember your... Did you not do it? Did you do a talk the first week in the first village? I did two talks that week. Yeah, I think I remember your first talk. What was it? I don't know, but I just remember you starting the phone. <laughs> so you don't remember it? <laughs> no, did you not talk? You definitely referenced superheroes at some stage. Uh, probably. You probably have to yeah. be a bit more specific than that. <laughs> Harry, have I told you the first time I met Stephen? No. No. Fair tell. Yeah, I didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. Stephen, that's true. That's true, Bill, isn't it? That is, yeah. True, Bill. How, what what age were you in that? Well, what? that would have been two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. So probably about I would have been about seventeen. Stephen would have been about a year, a month, and a day younger than that. But yeah, Stephen and and I met at uh, an outreach team that the, the Belfast City Mission had and Stephen he was from a, a rival mission hall who were rowdy <laughs> and us quiet shrinking violets from Rathcool um, me in particular didn't really didn't really wasn't compatible let's put it that way but alas here we are 16 plus years later talking about a book that's Almost 400 years old. Yeah. We've heard from Brazil during the week. So shout out to Felipe for getting in the touch. Getting in the touch. Getting in the touch. (laughs) (laughs) A shout out out to Felipe in Brazil, uh, who's working through the Pilgrim's Progress to teach in the Sunday school class. Uh, So thanks for getting in touch. It does encourage our little hearts. <laughs> One other thing before we get into the podcast today, I was at a charity shop uh, mm-hmm. just this afternoon, and I picked up this book by a man called William Deal, okay. called John Bunyan, the Tinker of Bedford. Oh, I've heard of that. So mm-hmm. I think it's some sort of biography of John Bunyan. So I'm looking forward to to delving in and to reading it. The podcast about to become factually informed. Yeah, and. It was my birthday a few weeks back. Thanks for your messages, guys, by the way. Not. Hey, you got a cartoon message? I didn't even know it was your birthday. Happy birthday. It shows you how often you check our social media, Harry, because <laughs> it was up on the Pilgrims the Podcast I, Instagram page. Oh, was it? And Twitter. I don't have Instagram. And Twitter. I, yeah, I do have Twitter. Like, I don't, I don't really he probably it. doesn't even follow us. I do. But anyway. So what one thing I wanted for my birthday, when you get a certain age and no one buys you gifts, they just give you money and it's wonderful. 
So, <laughs> scarring the internet, I found a copy of The Pilgrim's Progress from 1808. That was the part where you guys are supposed to sound impressed because that's like over 200 years old. Oh, wow. 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 <laughs> Owen Wilson, is that you? Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Do you know my wife fell out with me one time because I kept talking to her in her Owen Wilson voice? Wow. Do the podcast in your Owen Wilson voice. Wow. 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 <laughs> oh, dear. As I walked <laughs> through the wilderness of this world. Wow. I came upon a certain place. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I? Where was I? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Sake, Jordan, we should let you introduce again because we're ten minutes in here and we still haven't even got on. <laughs> so you you'd got the book from eighteen oh eight. Yes. So I've bought a, a copy of the Pilgrim's Progress with illustrations from eighteen oh eight, and it's currently getting restored in the book restorers, which I had no experience of dealing with before. So, what's that like? Oh yeah. Yeah, well, the, this man's specialty is restoring old books and Bibles. But scar the internet for an Elsto edition, that's what you want. Why? But that's a story for another day. Oh. This the, the the story of how I almost came into possession of an Elsto edition of the Pilgrim's Progress. The Elsto edition being uh, bound, backed by wood from the pews, from the church that John Bunyan attended. Wow. <laughs> wow. Ah, oh, man. Wow. Oh. So, anyway. Yeah. We left Christian having conversed with charity and piety and prudence and discretion. And he's had a, a lovely time of fellowship. And he has retired, and now we are we, we join him in the morning. He has slept, my copy says, until the break of day. I would imagine one of those wonder sleeps. Because hmm. he awakes and he sings. You can imagine him like leaping out. He says, where I am now, is this the love and care of Jesus for the men that pilgrims are? Thus to provide that I should be forgiven. And dwell already the next door to heaven. He's not quite at heaven, but he's not far off. According to him, he's next door. And so they all get up. They have a little bit of discourse. They have a little bit of conversation. And they they convince him, almost like he's on his way out. And they tell him, look, you can't go. You can't go from this place until we show you around. And so they want to show him some of the artifacts, some of the, the rarities of that place and so we're going to spend the rest of this episode uh, doing likewise how does that sound brilliant brilliant we will enter the museum exhibit of the house beautiful we're still in it aren't we mm-hmm. yep like when you go into an old house and it's got those nice glass cabinets with all these 1808 editions of books and nice so he agrees. And so they, they take him round and they show him some of the the rarities of the place. And so the first that they take him to and they bring him into the study. 
What do they find in the study? But they show him records of the greatest antiquity, in which was the lineage of the Lord of the Hill. And we get a little bit more about this Lord of the Hill, uh, specifically his his lineage, because he's the son of the Ancient of Days. And so, as we go down uh, and take a take a walk through with Christian, and we see some of these artifacts and some of these these rarities, very much they will be uh, hearkening back uh, to passages of Scripture, to books in the Bible, uh, and of course, the Ancient of Days um, refers to uh, the passage in Daniel. Daniel 7. Daniel 7. There we go, where God is God is called the, the Ancient of Days. And Yeah, I've, I've got it up here if you want me to read it. Yeah, out. of course, that would be great. So I think it's Daniel seven thirteen. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Do you know when I watch... In the night visions, it it's just it's mind numbing. I don't know why kids are so attracted to it. <laughs> What's this? Oh, hold on, sorry, that's in the night garden. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, say What's in the night visions? That would be slightly different. Anyway, sorry, Harry, you were saying. I was saying, well, I just I was just reading that out there because. Uh, yeah, you promised it, Daniel 7. So there's this this idea of the the lineage of the Lord of the Hill. Obviously, he's talking about Jesus uh, as the Lord of the Hill, and, and he is the son of the Ancient of Days, the son of uh, God the Father. So was he looking at things like the genealogies from Matthew 1 and, and Luke 3? Or what are these rarities and records of greatest antiquities yeah it, it's interesting because I, th- I was sort of thinking that it was maybe sort of like the list of genealogies but then i suppose at the same time it could just be purely the stories just throughout the old testament just scripture yeah just scripture i suppose a lot of the stories within the old testament are within the genie people here are within the genealogy of jesus anyway yeah, yeah, it's it is a record of that line. Yeah, not only are there these records of lineage, but they're also then the fully recorded acts of what he had done and and the names of many hundreds that he had taken into his service, and they read them. And it sounds a lot, in fact, I think it pretty much is lifting out the last paragraph of that long list of heroes of the faith that we find in Hebrews 11. Bunyan says, They read to him some of the worthy acts that some of the servants of the Lord of the Hill had done, and how they had subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. It's pretty much verbatim, isn't it? 
I think so. Mm-hmm. So he's been shown, he's been showing probably the family tree, the the genealogies of Christ. Certainly, as well, the stories and narratives of the Old Testament scriptures. Mm-hmm. But then also this list of heroes of the faith, yeah. and really tying that line from Christ right back to Adam, the son of God. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, you know, when you go on like sort of a tour somewhere, and maybe you're in the house of some people, and then you come across a, a painting of like someone who lived in the house ages ago, and then they'll start talking you to you about this person and tell you some of the stories about them. Mm-hmm. And we in in some sort of way I think it's a wee bit like that here. That they're going through the history of these people and then just telling them the stories of what's happening with them. So you think they got like a story of Daniel and the Lions and Yeah, I'm I'm sure he got a, a couple of I don't think he got the whole Old Testament, but I'm sure he got some of the some of the stories. Yeah. So, like going right back, <clears throat> if I can, mm-hmm. we have established that the house beautiful or the palace beautiful is a metaphor for the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, Christian, with the members of the house who want him to see the the rarities of that place, they are the the valuables, the the treasures that that lie within that house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so if his questioning last time was his membership interview and he is now becoming a member or a family member of this house, really what they're doing is it's, it's, it's so close, I think, in relation to adoption. You know, it is a, it's a great picture of adoption here. He's brought in and made part of this family and it's like they're catching him up with the family history and these these records of is it great antiquity records Mm -hmm. of the the greatest antiquity that is God's word maybe even maybe even just God okay you know the because just because of the parallel between the greatest antiquity, which is certainly here, is singular. And the reference to Jesus being the son of the Ancient of Days. So you've got antiquity and the Ancient One. Yeah, but it's not its not a greatest an- antiquity, as in like a noun. It's, it's the, the records of which they are the greatest antiquity, if that makes sense. Oh, hang on. Maybe I'm reading this wrong then. Where they showed him records of the greatest antiquity. It's not like a record of the greatest antiquity. They're antiquitous. That's exactly how I read it. They're antiquitous records. No? Oh, yes. I get you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are these are records of some old, of some age. Yes. Like these are some old records. The, the oldest of records. Yes. Like that? Yeah, that's how I read it. And so this, particularly this first room, is it a room? The study, as they go into the study, Mm -hmm. um, what jumped out at me was the the study of God's word. Yeah. And so here he 
he learns who Jesus is as we go down. He sees what he has done. Um, we've read from from Hebrews eleven, mm-hmm. and he sees why all this is is important. Why why it matters. Why it's important to know these things and to know who Christ is, the only begotten of the Father, the one who came to to rescue uh, sinners and to give them everlasting life, the Christ who is the head of the church, who is above all things, all of these things. Yeah, yeah. And then if we step into the side room in the study, he's moved in then to the records of the palace. And if we are convinced that the palace, the house beautiful, is the church, then this moves from the the records of greatest antiquity about the Christ to records of what Christ has done and how this has shaped the life of others. And we get a strong advocacy here for knowing your church history. Mm-hmm. He talks about how Christian also viewed several histories of many additional famous things, both ancient and modern. So we're talking we're talking Acts, we're talking early church, church fathers, you know, the Reformation wasn't long past. Tracing that line through, and, and this is what God has been doing with his church over the centuries. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's definitely important, especially for us, uh, even even now, to, to know and to learn and see the importance of, especially the early church, and the fact that, well, bad things happen to them. <laughs> Yeah, because because they because they believed in in Jesus, mm-hmm. and it's not just a, a simple uh, cakewalk for any new believer or for any Christian that that's just new in the faith to expect trials and and trouble, um, and it's not always easy, and there are things that will come up and try and distract us and destroy us, and it's important for us to remember that that's not. Uh, that's not unique to you or I, but that's been going right back from the very first Christians. Yeah. And there's been periods of decline where the churches maybe faded a little. There's been great times of revival where God has really moved. There's been uh, false teachers uh, and people who say they're Christians when they're not really. And it's important for us to be able to, to discern that. There has been times where uh, the church has tried to eat itself and it's been bickering from within. There's been mm-hmm. all manner of things that have come up. Um, and it's important for us to know that it's not, you know, the world's not out against us personally. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's even even to look at, at individual lives and say, what did it look like to be a Christian through these times? What What's exemplary and, and to be modeled and followed where's wisdom to learn what not to do yeah yeah how do we answer you know the same heresies keep coming up every couple of years every couple of centuries and they've been answered and they've been refuted uh, i mean this podcast itself is a testament to going back into our church history mm-hmm. our own family history and saying this is a book written 400 years ago we still think it's relevant we still find that it resonates and sounds true resounds and rings true Mm-hmm. And then we go on from there into the armory. 
will we get uh, something in Lagan to Ephesians 6 um, in terms of putting on the uh, different parts of the armor you've got the sword with yes the sword the shield the helmet the breastplate so he's a he's equipped in the house mm-hmm this is an exhibit I would love to see. You know, this seems to be full of just wee Bible knickknacks and and memorabilia that you could pour over for hours just wandering around looking at. So they show him weapons with which some of the servants of old had done wonderful things with and were listed a whole... Uh, catalogue of doodads and knickknacks and thingamajigs that we find from the pages of scripture and you can just imagine you know standing over these wee glass cases and reading the text below it and looking at it and thinking wow there's Moses rod that stick that he held over the the Red Sea and and the stick that he used to to bring about so many miracles and and wonders with now we've got all the all the judges is all in there. The judges is? Yeah, the judges. We've got Gideon. We've got Samson. We've got Shamgar. And then we get on to David. Isn't it amazing that they have, like, one of their exhibits is Shamgar's ox goad? Mm-hmm. When I think he has one verse in the book of Judges, or maybe at the very most three. He's a footnote at the end of um, Ehud's story. Uh, right. I was good you pointed that out because I was like, I really don't know who Shamgar is. <laughs> I was like trying to work out where it's from. You know, an ox goad being, what exactly again, remind me, Harry? An ox is goad? Hold on. I'm just going to go into my mind palace here. Is it Google? No, mind palace. Say I would say it's a wooden tool, approximately eight feet long, fitted with an iron spike or point at one end, which was used, and it was commonly I think it was commonly used to spur oxen as they pulled a plow or cart. There you go. So we're told in Judges three thirty one, Judges three thirty one, after him talking about Ehud. The left-handed assassin. Oh, yeah. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. And that's it. He makes it into this Bible museum. We've got a jawbone. And, like, Samson's not necessarily the poster child for great faithfulness. No. But he made it. Mm -hmm. And his jawbone, not his jawbone, was a donkey's. Was it donkey? Or was it like a ox maybe as well? I can't remember. I think rather than sort of go into an in-depth study of every <laughs> no, jo- uh, jawbone and ox goad and nail and hammer, whatever, the important thing I think for us to remember is that the Lord God has provided for each and every one of these situations. 
the enemy is fierce and strong. But as we look into this armory and we see this great variety of military weapons, they're military weapons which the Lord had specially provided for pilgrims. Yeah. And the importance is on the pilgrim. Do you think, just looking, just looking here at the weapons, none of them are typical military weapons. Do you think there's something in the fact that it's a rod and a hammer and nail, a pitcher, uh, an ox goad, which is like an eight-foot stick with a pointer thing on the end, a jawbone, and a kid's sling? They're all kind of unique to each individual. You know, I don't know, maybe Shamgar was an ox farmer. But they're not exactly the the ammunition and armory that soldiers would be given. It's not the same as the sword, shield, helmet, breastplate and shoes that Christians just been fitted with. Well, certainly they are. They're unusual. Yeah. And maybe uh, it's similar to when Paul talks about God using the the foolish things of the world. Yeah. Uh, So that, you know, it's not it's not the great men or mighty men that get the that get the the plaudits because of of these victories but it's god alone who can use uh, the jawbone of a donkey to kill a thousand men yeah who can use a sling and a stone from a from a wee lad to to slay a nine foot giant mm-hmm. and your other examples there as well chamgar included uh, uh, yeah and these are, are the things that are held up mm-hmm. it's important for us to remember in the here and now that we cannot and we must not uh, engage in in the the battle with the enemy on our own strength. We need God's guidance. We need his power that is provided yeah. in Christ. And we, we can't do it ourselves. That's why we're told to, to put on the armor of God in Ephesians 6. Mm-hmm. There's an, an active responsibility on, on our part, I guess, uh, to some degree to, to put on uh, that armour. But the God... And perhaps a reminder that it's not ours. Yeah. But the God who, as we've already said, who was with Moses and who was with David, who was with Samson and who was with Gideon and take your, take your pick, is the same God that's with us and is the same God that is with christian yeah so they all went back to sleep mm-hmm. they'd seen all that they had to see and then there's just he really has one more morning and uh he's kind of he's kind of taken out to look maybe a almost bird's eye view mountaintop view of where he's going does that seem fair yeah like a he's shown you know like a really panoramic picture of where he's going the delectable mountains are seen in the distance and that's they're the big markers of where he's to head towards and there'll be ups and downs along the way but that's his destination for now he's had the wicked gate to run to the cross now this hill the palace beautiful the next marker on his journey is 
these mountains and the the shepherds who live there. And I think at this stage, these two episodes in The Palace Beautiful, they've been a look back at what all has happened and a recap and a review of Christian's journey so far. But at this stage now, we're getting a preview, a look ahead at, at what's to come. Mm-hmm. And then also we're given a wee small teaser mm-hmm. for an upcoming companion. Uh, well, I'm, I'm slightly before that. He, he armors up. Yeah. He puts on the the armory sorry now. The armor he got in the armory. I see when I read the or on the other page, I thought he put it on then. But he was actually only looking at it then. Um because that would have yeah. been rather uncomfortable if he slept on it probably at night time. That is true. Uh, so he, he put it on the morning of the left. And then as we say we get a wee teaser of Faithful. <laughs> and it seems that this marks a very significant turning point in the pilgrimage. He's about to head down a valley. He's given supplies, but he's told in no uncertain terms, you're about to head down to a dangerous place, to the Valley of Humiliation. That's why you're wearing the armor. Hint, hint, it'll not be easy. So we're going from a mountaintop experience, literally into a valley. So it's, it's almost like the end of Act 2. Act 1 that ended at the cross. This is where Act 2 ends. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us on our uh, tour around the, the museum in the House Beautiful. Until next time, do check out our social medias. We're at Pilgrim's Pod on Instagram and, and Twitter. Drop us an email, pilgrimspod at gmail.com. Um, I've been Jordan and he's been Harry. Yep. That's me. And and he's been Stephen. I have. Anything else before we we go? Well, traditionally in museums when you're leaving you go through the gift shop. Oh right, okay. Do leave us a um do leave us a donation. Or a five star review. Or a five star review, yes. Anyway. Get ready for Act Three. Mm-hmm. As we descend into the valley. Okay, until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.